eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in to Inside Carolina Live. It is March the 2nd, two days away from North Carolina and Duke. A must-win on Tobacco Road. I'm going to go to Adam Smith right out of the gate. Oh, sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt, johnnytshirt.com, too. Adam, you're first up. Ross said you're the star of this show, so we're running with it. Good Lord, come on. Carolina and Duke on Saturday. What did Hubert Davis have to say today? Is it just another game in Chapel Hill? I'm sorry, what what did you ask? Is it just another game? Yeah. Did Hubert say it was just another game, or is this a big deal in Chapel Hill for these guys? <laughs> Hubert, uh, well, Hubert – you know, you kind of wonder what Hubert expects to be asked sometimes. Wouldn't if you were going into an interview, wouldn't you sort of mentally roll through like, well, this is what they'll probably ask me. We were, we were, when he first sat down, we asked him, you know, four, five, six questions about Leaky with it being definitely his final home game this time around. And uh, I think Ross can correct me. The first answer he kind of was going like, well, I, I haven't really thought about it being Leaky's last game. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of getting a little emotional about that right now, thinking about it. And I was thinking, like, why wouldn't you think we'd ask you about Leaky, you know? But um, there was not a ton of Duke talk. Maybe we maybe we missed the boat on that one. There was a lot of Leaky talk, a lot of Armando talk. Um, but, yeah, Hubert did say, uh, in so many words, they need to get to the free throw line more than three times like they did in Durham uh, a few weeks ago. That was kind of a – he was kind of hot about that. Ross wrote all about it that night. It was Ross pointing out that John has a fresh cut, man. You got your ears lowered. John looks great. I had to adjust the headset a little bit. I got a lot less hair. I'm trying to be faster for basketball and uh, soccer season. I was wondering, did we get a new new producer, Ross? Um, Armando talked about uh, maybe his last game, maybe not. No, no clear answer. Find it hard to believe he hadn't thought about it. But what'd you take away mainly from today in Chapel Hill? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a lot of leaky. You know, he talked for 15 minutes, probably Baycott 10 minutes, and then half of Hubert's press conference was about leaky because this is his last game, last regular season game in the Smith Center. 
people brought up the fact that if UNC makes the NIT, they could have some home games uh, if they do choose to play in the NIT. So this, they, they could they could have some other home games. Um, yeah, it, you know, we didn't really like, do a good job asking asking them about the gravity of this game. I mean, it's it's a huge game for the season, uh, very meaningful. A win would, I think, put them in a really good spot um, heading into the AC tournament, and a loss would would kind of force them to win at least two, I think, in in Greensboro because they they're on man, they are on the bubble as much as as there can be. I mean, I see every other day it's it's different. Are they last four in or first four out? You know, you never know um, there. So um, good turnout by the media. You know, you've been to a lot of these. They're all kind of the same. Um, no groundbreaking news. Uh, I think it is interesting to think about Armando coming back. Adam asked that question right off the top. Very valid question. So that's just to explore looking at next season, but we're not on a next season yet. We have a big game in sa- uh, on Saturday in the Smith Center. Um, and also – I know there's a lot of football people listening. We did have some football availability. We probably need to get to as well, Tommy, later on in the show as well. We talked to Mac for about an hour yesterday. Yeah, we will definitely discuss that. I'm on Adam, I, I'm going to tell you why I think Armando can come back. And I'm going to quote him in his now famous Outer Banks appearance on Netflix. <laughs> Mon- money. That's all he said. They built that that up. So much on Outer Banks, and my man played the bully bodyguard and said money. I mean, that's the reason he'd come back, right? Yes, to give you a one-word <laughs> answer. Also, uh, in terms of words, I would like to come in, Ross, for the gravity of the situation, I think he said. That was well done, Ross. Um, I felt it when you said that. You're right. I mean, it is. there is a gravitational pull on this one. Um, but, yeah, Tommy, I mean – I just don't know. Uh, we were talking about it later on after the, the the press conferences broke up today. Like, I just don't know. Sometimes I think that Armando just says stuff. Like, you know, I don't think he he comes in with a uh, outline of what he'd like to go over. I think he just says. I think like after what game was it? the UVA game when he casually said, "Yeah, you need to ask Pete about his uh, lemon Oreos," and I was like, "What? What are you talking about? Lemon Oreos?" And, you know, I just – I think Armando just says some stuff. Now, I, I I, do believe him that he hasn't made up his mind yet, but I just don't, I don't know where he might be leaning. I do think, yes, like I think if Armando went and left college basketball to play professional basketball, he would take a pay cut. <laughs> um, you know, like – I mean, what do we know? What is he making a million dollars? Do is that what we think he's making? Eight hundred thousand, a million? Ross, do you know? Like, you've got uh, I don't think it's ever been made public. But I would say over five hundred thousand. Yeah, long. I think yeah. there was the feature about him in in the New York Times, and I think that was the number that was thrown around. Ross, the one that you just said. Yeah, but then like yesterday, he signed with Crocs, and uh, I know you're a big Crocs guy, Tommy, and Adam probably too. <laughs> I got the no. <laughs> I was talking about military camo clock crocs <laughs> with, oh, the fur, okay. with the fur inside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he signs a new NIL deal, it seems, every other week. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know how much he's go for, but he's certainly, like Adam says, he would take a pay cut if he would end up in the G League because G League's, what, 40K a year? I, I mean, I, I heard, I don't know, I guess this, I guess it's all, we're not sure what's accurate. I heard, I heard close to a million dollars. Mm-hmm, yeah. So, 
I, I just don't know. I know that, um, you know, it, he seemed very believable when he talked about breaking Hansborough's rec- rebound record. And he was very, I thought, proud of the fact that he had passed all these guys, Sean May, Antoine Jamison, Sam Perkins, Tyler Hansbrough, in less games than those guys did it. And the thing that I took from him on that was, this is me reading into it, was, you know, if he did come back for a fifth year, he would break all of those records because of just the actual absolute volume of the games that he would play. You know, throw what? Throw 40 more games on there, and he's going to be high on a lot of those lists. Um so I, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know who comes, you know, does Caleb Love come back next year? Um, does he go pro? Does he transfer? I heard the other day somebody talk about him transferring to Mizzou. Um, you know, I don't know. So, you know, I think there's a lot of moving parts. And, and Tommy, I mean, yeah, you said it. I think, I think the money would be a big draw. I think Armando undoubtedly loves Carolina. I mean, he said it. I love this place. I would die for this place. So, I I found that interesting, though, the way he talked about playing for Carolina in December and then the way he talked about it today. I felt there was a difference in those things because I don't want to misquote him, but it sounded like what he was saying today was, I'll decide if I want to come back. Like, it's kind of the decision is up to me if I want to come back to, to Chapel Hill for another year. So I think maybe he he loves Carolina, certainly, but I think he is in his mind maybe opening up his open up the possibilities to what else could be out there. Um, and I'll tell you too the for me, the most interesting quote that Armando had, I do have the exact quote for this one from from Grant Hughes's article. He said, uh, this is Armando earlier today. He said, the early season struggles were definitely a hangover from all the stuff that happened last year. I think we figured out with that ranking, we were guaranteed to win a lot of games, and we figured out that's not how it goes. That, to me, was the big quote of the press comments. I think that's a really interesting quote, especially the word hangover, uh, sort of, you know, with the fact that he's implying that it was at the beginning of the season and, and not the entire season. But, you know, I think almost you could say that UNC maybe has been hung over this entire season, to use Armando's word, with how they've played. Um, compared to how they were expected to play coming into the season. So I thought that was an interesting omission from Armando today to say that. He said that today, mm-hmm. March the 2nd. Yeah, he basically said that they thought it was going to be easier than it has been, I think. Wouldn't you do you agree with that, Ross? Is that how you heard it? Yeah. That's how I heard it. Yeah. That is, uh, yeah. Albert a Tucci. Long, my, it was a long hangover. Long man. hangover since Albert Tucci. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, that's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, do you want to talk? You know, talk a little Duke here. Yeah, or, let, let, uh, let let's go back to your point. The gravity of them of this game because I think it's a win and end Carolina game. Um, obviously, can't lose first round AC tournament, but I think Carolina's got to win this to get in. What do you think, Ross? Yeah, I mean, it's a big game, and I think it's it sets up well. I mean, I think I think Duke's playing really well, and I think they're freshmen. It's kind of how things work, you know. 30 games now the freshmen are playing like sophomores you're getting um Derek Lively playing really well um you know <laughs> I don't know the roster too well who's the who's the freshman who we didn't see last Kyle time Filipowski. you were you had it <coughs> no, no, Kyle who's the freshman we didn't see last time Whitehead didn't oh, play last Whitehead time. yeah so you got all these freshmen who now play you know 20 30 games and so 
I think it's a good task, but I think UNC playing at home, they'll make more shots. They're kind of rolling a little bit too, which is good to see. You got the lemon Oreos, which is such an interesting kind of fun little storyline we got here at the end of the season. Um, I broke that story. It's not a big deal. I broke it from my couch um, while y'all were at the game. Um, but uh, look, it sets up nicely. And I think, I think Nance playing well and Leaky playing well has been the difference. They're hitting, you know, two or three shots a game from three has been massive. And then you, you get Baycott involved a little bit more. And I think, you know, I asked Baycott, how, what did he learn about going against Lively? And he said, yeah, you got to get on him. You got to be in his body so you can use that to your advantage. That was interesting. Kind of in the psyche of a big man. So I think they'll be ready. I think they, I think they, all the players understand how big a game this is. The crowd will be rocking. You know, if they had lost two or three heading into this game, I, the crowd might not have been into as much. But I think they understand, they will understand how big a game this is as well. And he'd give them momentum heading into Greensboro next week. So it, it's, it's going to be rocking. And, of course, game day is there. So it's all set up. Um, you know, this is kind of, you know, what we, you know, kind of what we wait for, what, what we like to cover, these big games. Even though both are not ranked, it's very big locally. Adam, what's the lineup going to be? Somebody asked what the line is, but I'm asking what line. Did Hubert play the start seniors last year? I can't remember. Well, they, I mean, they, that's usually a big deal. That was the Syracuse game last year, right? Was the final home yeah, game? Yeah, when yeah. Caleb went off at the end there. I, I, I can't remember. I can, look, I can look it up, I think. I'll look it up right now. Um, I mean, that means I'm, I got the thing here. That means possibly Jack Jackson Watkins or Justin McCoy, you know, Boy. would be in there. Can I say something that I think that it might stir something up? I think if you're a transfer senior and you hadn't been there but a year or two, I don't think you deserve to get that senior start. There you go. I mean, Jackson Watkins and boys have been there for a long time. They need by to get accounts, in. Jackson, by all accounts, Jackson Watkins is like the fiery guy in the locker room. <laughs> he does a lot of stuff on the bench, too. If you ever watch him, he's always doing something on the bench over there. Yeah, so he was Ryan, one of the, you know, they have some rule in the NCAA tournament how only so many number of players can suit up. Because you remember, like, back in the day, like, Jack Wooten and those guys sometimes would just be in clothes because they were sitting in the stands. You know, 20 guys. Yeah. Jackson Watkins was in, like, um, clothes, street clothes, right over my shoulder the night they played UCLA. Like, he was in the friends and family section. And there are a million shots on, like, the USA Today Getty Wire of manic or love hitting a massive three and Jackson Watkins is just going ape shit. Sorry for cussing. Uh like I mean it is it's, it's awesome. Like, you know, it's just like if you saw it, you'd be like, God, this UNC fan is nuts. But it was Jackson <laughs> Watkins. So Syracuse game last year, which was senior night, Ryan McAdoo started, played two minutes. So Yeah, somebody had that in the chat over here. We got so a, it does a, seem. a good fan base here. Jake but, did. But there wasn't there weren't any other seniors, right? So um you know, they started Baycott, Manic, Leaky Black, McAdoo, and, and Davis. And Caleb Love came off the bench. I remember this was the game that I uh, was at Cole Swider scored 36 against UNC. He went nuts. Well, yeah, I guess you got the box score right there. Yeah, it's a good box score. <laughs> I was going to say, great memory. Great job, Rolls. Yeah, Ross, why good. were you covering the game from your couch the other day? It seems weird. I had norovirus. Oh, okay. Okay. Is that a stomach bug? That's a fancy word for the 24 hour, 48 hour stomach bug. I don't know why Adam had to bring that up. It helps Maybe you lose the weight you're working on. HIPAA, HIPAA violence. Yeah, the goal was to lose a little weight there. That's good. It's <laughs> a quick way to do it. Let's, uh, does Leaky come out and play well, Adam, with the pressure of being his 153rd? 
yeah, third game at Carolina. I mean, a lot of times you see guys tighten up going in. How, how's Carolina? How does Carolina come out in this one at least? Senior nights can be weird, is in terms of my experience. And un, I hate to be a buzzkill, but un, with Leaky, normally when he has had big scoring games, the next couple of games he does not. Um, now, with that said, I agree with what Ross said. I think the Dean Dome is going to be jumping Saturday night. I think that the crowd since the Clemson game uh, has sensed the urgency and has been – I think the crowd has been great in February, and we'll see here on March the 4th. They were great against UVA. I think they're going to be great against Duke. Um, I don't know if we can count on Leakey for 18 points again. Um, but I think that – I think UNC is going to win the game. Now, maybe I'm a moron, but I think they're going to win the game. I think the crowd is going to be involved, and I do think Duke is playing about as well as anybody in the league right now. But I think Carolina is finally, I hope this isn't famous last words, just free and playing free. And I always say unburdened, but it was. I just feel like there was something about winning that Notre Dame game. They played well in the second half. Ever since halftime of the Notre Dame game, I feel like they have played freer. You've seen the three-pointers going in. I mean, the last two first halves, those things have been raining in. Um, but I don't know if Carolina's going to play an exquisite brand of basketball, but I think they're going to win the game. And I do think if they win that game, they're at, at the moment in the NCAA tournament field, which um, it's no small task considering where they were. What were they, one in five to start February? So, um I don't know if Leakey's going to go off. It'd be a wonderful story if he did, but I think that Carolina's going to do enough. I think Pete Nance is really playing well right now. I got a I got a Leakey stat for everyone. I have a reason for why he is going to go off in this game. KenPom.com categorizes teams into Tier A, Tier B, and then sort of all of the rest. So Tier A, those are like the toughest games of the season. This Duke game falls into that Tier A category. Against those teams in those nine games, Leakey has shot 38.1% from three. He's eight of 21. So it's a relatively small sample size. But I think what that shows me is that Leakey is not afraid of taking three-pointers, taking big shots in these games. And we know the ball is going to come to him. The ball is going to be swung to him in some of those spots. So it's sort of up to him and his mindset whether he has the confidence. Um, and, And that stat tells me he's had the confidence in the big games this season. That's my nugget of the night. I think Leakey is going to have a big shooting game on Saturday for that reason. He's ten. Leakey is ten for twenty-one from three over the last eight games. I think um, he's shooting forty-eight percent from three. Um, and you know, I, I'm, if you guys watched the IC video, like you know, the very last thing he said to us the other night in Tallahassee was, "I was asking him if there was anything different about his shot," and he goes, "No, I've just gotten out of my head." You know, so. You don't know how many points Pete Nance scored against Duke and Durham this year? I know he went one for ten from the field. Scored two. So, I mean, yeah, one for ten exactly, Adam. I mean, he could be the difference maker, too. I mean, he just scores – look, he scores four more points. They they could have won that game. Or I guess they lost by six. But, you know, a couple more baskets there, and they could have won. So, you know, Pete Nance is being aggressive. He's shooting these threes. And it's all of a sudden he's clicking back on. I mean, he was the best player on the court um, – at times, I think what at Notre Dame, Virginia, um, and I think at Syracuse too, one of the better players there. So, you know, I think yeah, him and Leakey have been 
their improvement offensively has been the key for this little baby run that UNC's gone off of it. And if UNC can get Baycott back involved, um, and then Caleb and, and RJ kind of bring what they've been bringing, I think they have a chance, you know, to, to play with anybody. And think of it, and Ross, to your point, think about think about what a struggle that was in Durham. Remember, we're sitting right there. It was right in happening right in front of us. As mm-hmm. much as they struggled to score, Leakey had an open corner three-pointer right in front of us with about, what was it, a minute and five, I think. I think mm-hmm. it was 105 on the clock. If that goes in, they're in the lead. And um, Caroline didn't score a point in the last four minutes of that game at Duke. Yeah. Um, you know, now, I, go ahead. I think Roach is playing awesome, too, and it, that's the matchup, R.J. on Roach. I mean, I, I think Roach has had his way with R.J. recently, and I watched some of Duke's game against NC State, and mm-hmm. you know, he's playing really well and, and playing really strong. He was a big-time recruit. He's a junior now, and, and so that's a, a key matchup to watch. R.J. has struggled against bigger guards and guards that can just kind of just way more than him and a little bit taller than him can get in the paint and, and kind of do what they want to do with him. So I'd eye that matchup as well. Yeah, I mean, y'all mentioned Baker, and I somebody asked – um, was, it might have been one of y'all asked, was he totally healthy? Or asked Hubert, was he totally healthy? I mean, he has not looked good the last couple games. and But he says he's fine. What did, he learn, what did Baycott learn, to Ross's point earlier, Adam, that you got to get in Lively's chest? Because I watched DJ Burns wear Lively out in the first <laughs> half um, and, and probably couldn't jump over a phone book and just wore Lively out. What's Baycott got to do to make that happen? Those are great visuals, Tommy. I'm picturing DJ Burns trying to jump over the phone book and getting into Derek Lively's chest. Say it with your chest. Uh, but, yeah, I, th- I think Ross is right that that was, you know, I thought those were very insightful comments from Armando because you know they have gone over that. Lively had what? I, if Ross has the box there, I think he had 14 rebounds and eight block shots against the UNC Tar Heels. And mm-hmm. the most blocked shots a Duke player has ever had against Carolina ever, you know, not Sheldon Williams, not Carlos Boozer, um, not Cherokee Parks, not Christian Leitner. Um, you know, it was Derek Lively. Um, and, you know, we watched it the other night in Tallahassee. I thought, or I thought FSU's length bothered Armando. Um, mm-hmm. He got those two quick fouls and he was sort of out of it because he got the two quick fouls. He sat down for a long time. Came back in, you know, Carolina was rolling just fine. Um, but, yeah, I think, I mean, we all know, no one goes to the line more than Carolina. Uh, if you can get into Lively's chest and, you know, you can keep him off the boards because he did – I think he only made two shots in Durham and, they're like, put back dunks maybe. There was one big put, put back dunk he had. Um, might have been right after Pete made that little turnaround in the lane for his only shot. But um, – yeah, I think – I mean, you, you, you've you got to not let Lively be the factor that he was for them because that was like his best game, I think, as a college player when he had all the rebounds and all the blocks against Carolina. So, yeah, I totally agree. I wonder if Lively and, and Whitehead will come back next year. Not – not doesn't really require much conversation, but it's kind of interesting to think about because they were the big-time recruits. I know Philip Bowles is big-time as well, but those guys were just as high-ranked as him. And if you're Duke and Kentucky, you recruit over them because you're thinking they're leaving. Mm-hmm. I mean, you recruit, you know, you have a whole new cycle of guys coming in. So yeah, it's a it's a good question. If if one of those guys stays, it sort of sort of messes up the flow, the in and out flow that is Durham these Who days. The guy, maybe producer John can look it up. His name is slipping me. God, I can't think of the guy's name, but he was a McDonald's All American, and he looked kind of like Lively. He's a big dude. A lot of hair, and he like 
ended up playing like three years in Duke, and he he like what was he was I mean he was like they thought he was gonna be like the number one pick. Oh, it's killing me that I can't think of it. Maybe somebody can think of it in the chat. Chase somebody? Chase Jeter. Chase Jeter. Chase Jeter. Is that right. that's who it was? Mm-hmm. From Arizona. He transferred I mean, out. Oh, is that – did he end up going to transfer – did going to Arizona, didn't he? Did oh, he maybe that's what – yeah. I mean, there's some Chase Jeter in Derek Lively, although I think he's bouncier and, like, sort of more of a factor rebounding and blocking shots. But, you know – From Nevada. It's been it's interesting to hear the leaky discussion about leaky and the pros. I know that was talked about a little bit today. I mean, Lively's a six inch taller than leaky version, you know, of a shot blocker and a defender and all that kind of stuff. So, I think all those guys. I mean, they're going to keep it going because you can't remember their names when they're there and they go so fast. I'll be so surprised if Leaky is drafted and plays it. Yeah, people people keep saying that, but. As mentioned on the broadcast, um, was that Monday night, Adam? Is that so all these, all these scouts are here? And it, what'd you say? Is that why so many people are saying, like, mm-hmm. it seems like yeah. it's really picked up? But then Hubert said it today, yeah. I, I, I think that's that's a lot of smoke and, and no fire. There you go. You, you just it's it's very challenging to stay on an NBA court if you're not a shooting threat. Uh, so, you know, there, there's a different conversation there if he's going to maybe go to the G League. Um, but, hey, you I know did. what? If Leaky if, if he keeps shooting like he has the last – what was the stat, Adam, the last five the games? The last eight games, I think. Yeah. It's 10 for 21 over something. I think it's eight games. Yeah. Look, a lot of people I mean, say the NBA doesn't like defense. They play defense in the playoffs now. Reggie Bullock is viewed as a defensive specialist in the NBA. And yeah. Reggie Bullock can – flat out shoot the basketball and yeah, he, he's a great defender uh, obviously he's a great defender i love leaky to death <laughs> i mean i love him but he ain't reggie bullock um he may be a better defender i don't know but the guy can't shoot like that. everyone can shoot you know in in the nba I, so I, I would say brady manic has a better chance of making an nba roster right now than leaky does <sighs> disagree with that <laughs> i don't know brady manic can shoot you disagree with that mm-hmm. wow why I don't think you have to be able to stay on the floor defensively too. There's a really fine line and that's why it's really tough to make the NBA. But we saw Manic be able to defend Paolo Bancaro or Paolo Banchero, whichever year we're talking about. Um, And he did it pretty well in in those last two games. I mean, I think, you know, Manic was loving it in Australia. Now where'd he go? Cross came back over Turkey. Turkey, Wait. yeah, that, yeah right? I think you're right. Okay, I wrote the article. <laughs> Australia to Turkey, man, I feel for him, but yeah, I agree great, with Great comment Adam. from Sherelle. Charlotte Millen here. Roy Williams said about six years ago that he thought Leakey could be a pro. I mean, he has all the tools. He just he, – the shooting is not there yet. And he's had five years. One big dunk. And <laughs> now we're on dunk. the NBA roster. It was a great it dunk. Was a That's his great, great play as a tar, his best play as a Tar Heel. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. And it came on a night where he had played the whole game. He had enough bounce to do that after playing 38 minutes. Hey, he's been great. He's been great. I mean, he's a great defender, and when he can hit two or three threes, he's great. So, let, let's do this before we go to break. Who's he guard on Saturday night? A lot of people, like, put him on Roach. You can't waste him on Roach. They're too well, big. Well, because then who would RJ and Caleb guard? If Because Roach is the only small guy they got. I guess – RJ uh, has to guard Roach because he can't – they can't put him on Tyrese Proctor. Tyrese Proctor's like 6'5". Yeah. So – Whitehead's bigger than that, so – but Whitehead comes off the bench. They start Mark Mitchell, the left-handed dude. He's about 6'8". Um, Put you know, Leaky on Mitchell? 
I mean, he you either put Leakey on Mitchell or Filipowski. And Pete Nance pretty much took Filipowski in Durham. And I don't think Filipowski – I should have the box score. I don't he think was four he for 14 for 14 points. What was it? Four for 14 for 14 points. Okay, I mean, I, I think he'll take four for 14. Um, yeah, I think Pete is defending a lot better right now because I think he's moving a lot better and feeling a lot better. Um, I mean, look at some of the block shots that he's had. Uh, I mean, I think I think what you see out of the gate is Armando and Lively, Pete Nance on Filipowski, Leaky on Mark Mitchell, Caleb on Tyrese Proctor, and R.J. Davis on Jeremy Roach. And then Whitehead comes off the bench, I guess. He has been, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you you just R.J.'s got to keep Roach out of the lane. That's what State couldn't do. Roach got to the basket over and over and over again against State. And, uh, you know, if he does that, then Carolina's going to struggle. Um, you know, let Filipowski and Nance go out there, Baycott and Lively or whoever. But, yeah. And State's guards are, I think, better defensively than Carolina's guards. I think Jarkiel Joyner and Baby T are better defenders than Caleb and RJ. This is yeah. why size matters when you recruit, man. If you recruit a six-footer, 5'11 guy, if he's really good at off- offense, you know, he's got to defend somebody. Yep, it'll be interesting to watch. Anything left on Duke Carolina before we take a break and then get some special guests in here? Adam's got a predicted win for North Carolina. Ross, what do you think? I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll pick UNC, but I think it's going to be very close. I mean, if they hit – look, if they hit – threes and hit seven or eight threes they're gonna win i think interesting what do you think john you've been uh you've been quite um debbie downer a lot <laughs> i thought you were gonna say been quite wrong and that also oh. would have been accurate i've been so. all over the place <laughs> i um i'm gonna go with duke in this one. Oh man i think duke is playing yeah duke some of their best well. basketball right now um but we also need to plug our special guest, Tommy. Give us a little hey, plug hey, ahead let, of the ad break. Let me say one thing. Playing at Duke, it, it you're so tight. It is so – there's so much pressure playing there. You can feel it. The players are playing tight. Everything – every mistake is blown up. I mean, it is crazy. You feel it as a media member, as a fan. And so there will be a lot less pressure in Chapel Hill just by the size of the arena, by the support of the fan base. And, and they'll play looser because of that, I think. And the referees yeah. feel it too at Duke. I mean, there's a reason people want about Coach K getting all the calls in Durham because it's just a, it's a crucible there. You know, like uh, I think the referees, you're, they're humans. You know, I think they're inclined to. I think they feel that what you're talking about too, Ross, in Durham. Um, I think I think Pete Nance was shook when they played in Durham. I think he was. I think we talked about. It. I think we talked about him being uh, drawn up pretty tight in yeah. that game. And uh, maybe John Shire's turned the corner where Proctor can get that technical drawn on to Quavian Smith the other <laughs> night. I mean, that of all the calls, I'm not a ref. That was probably one of the worst <laughs> calls I've seen, man. That was just classic. You almost thought Coach K's ghost came down. We should go to the Duke. Duke is available tomorrow. Ross and I should go over there and say, Tyrese, is your ankle okay? Because, I mean, you're, you know, you look like you're in such pain. How are you doing, buddy? How's the gunshot wound? Because that's what it looked like. Let's take a Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com break. Sponsored the Inside Carolina podcast. Sponsors of you, the Inside Carolina premium subscriber. Because you get 10% off your order when you join our message boards. 
you join all the premium stuff. Sherelle McMillan's in the chat. Well, if you're a premium subscriber, you get to see Sherelle McMillan at work. Kills it on the recruiting trail. Don Callahan and Ross Martin on the scoop on the football side of it and just all the premium breakdowns. Trevor Marks, Jason Staples on the football side. And Johnny T-Shirt gives you 10% off for being a part of that. It's worth every penny. Take care of them. If you're in town this weekend for the Duke game, Duke game go by East Franklin Street and see them in person or get your gear online. Inside Carolina Live, too, we offer a Johnny T-Shirt gift card. I think I saw somebody in the chat, maybe B. Mick, said he used his gift card that he won from the Inside Carolina Live deal. National guys will pay the bills. We'll be right back. It's On The Beat Live, Inside Carolina's weekly live beat show. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did-we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is their to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with shopify sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right boys nine thirty-two on the east coast john bowman bring in one of our special guests um, I'm Tommy Ashley. That's Ross Martin. Adam Smith still here. John Bowman and Andy Bagwell. Of- hey guys, how you doing? 
what's hey, going man. on of Duke sucks fame. That's right. It's a big yeah. week for you, right? It, it's, it's a big week, a big game on Saturday. Yes, a big game. I'll be there um, and uh, quite nervous about the game, but pretty excited. And um, yeah, big week for a lot of reasons. We just released the sequel to Duke Sucks, Tommy. Duke still sucks, naturally. Called. <laughs> yeah, tell us a little bit about it. And John, you can get uh, Mr. Frazier in as well. Tell us a little bit about how it came about um, initially and then and, and everybody – that's watching on YouTube right now. That's Tate Frazier, you know, legend. <laughs> Tate Frazier. Great to be here. Great to see everyone. I was watching before, so I'm locked in. So I'm, I'm just listening, Tommy. Uh-oh, you know where we're on, right? Yeah, so I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I got it. Andy, tell us how <laughs> to book. the IC about. office with Tate's name on there, the intern Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. No, right. Brian Ives is in the Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm like no, right on the list. It's like year by year. You guys, everybody's on there. I love that. I love ballot. that. I mean, easily second ballot, right? <laughs> I just walk into the office every day and just kind of like Notre Dame rubs the, uh, the play like a champion. I just rub play it. like an intern today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> play like Tate today. Andy, yeah. how'd the book come about when you did the initial version, and then tell us a little bit about the second. Yeah, so when we the original version came out in 2012, and uh, we sold a couple more than a couple hundred copies, and it kind of went crazy. Landed me a spot on the I Hate Christian Later 30 for 30, and all sorts of funness and. Over the years, Reed Tucker, my co-author, and I, something would come up and be like, oh, Grayson Allen's tripping dudes. And we're like, okay, that's going in the sequel. Uh, you know, oh, Zion Williamson got paid to go to Duke. Uh, that's going in the sequel. Um, you know, and we were kind of half joking about it, but the moment that Coach K announced the retirement tour last year, we were like, okay, Reed, this is a sign from the gods that we actually need to write this book. So. We, we waited till the end of the season, and after it was over, we were like, okay, it's time to actually put pen to paper, digitally speaking, and, and started working on it, and, uh, and then and here we are. And you, if you're wondering why the heck is Tate Frazier here with us, we, we, uh, we asked him to write our foreword, so re, re, uh, Tate is a, is a great contributor to the book as well. All right, Tate. How did you manage to get to write, you know, be not quite an accomplished author, but yeah, almost. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm not a writer, you know what I mean? But uh, Andy and Reed, I was in Maui at the Maui Invitational this year, uh, or last year, I guess I should say, in 2022, and uh, they reached out to me and uh, they said, hey, we need someone to write a forward. We need someone that hates Duke uh, with a visceral passion. I said, I can do that. Plug me in. Um, and, uh, you know, working with them was great. And just the the whole story of Coach K's final chapter um, is – you couldn't have scripted it any better. It was something out of Hollywood, and as someone that lived in Los Angeles, I can confirm it's out of Hollywood. So uh, it all worked out perfectly, and uh, to see Coach K in New Orleans get on that golf cart for the last time, it's something I'll never forget, and uh, I'm glad we all got to enjoy it together. It was great. Now, Tommy, I, I have to tell you, see, so really, say that. I think we took a photo of it, uh, <laughs> Ross and I. Oh, yeah. 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 That's the best. So I had, I had to have Tate because, like, I'm I'm older than Tommy, which means I'm practically dead, pretty much. So we Me? needed that, like, next generation of Duke haters, right? And so when I looked out, when Reed and I were looking around the landscape, we were like, okay, you know, we got to find somebody who hates as much as we do and kind of carry the torch forward. It, it's Tate Frazier. So, uh, you know, it was a no-brainer to, to choose him. Yeah, Tate, let me ask you about uh, what, what are you up to? Are you free to speak? 
Yeah, I'm I, I'm free. I uh, you know, it's been a bit of a whirlwind in my world, but um, you know, it's all good things. Uh, myself and Mark Titus, we did a show called Titus and Tate. Um, that is no longer. Um, but luckily, I I, uh, I I just got back with my old boss, uh, Bill Simmons, who I used to produce his podcast, the Bill Simmons podcast, and uh, you know, I got my old show back, One Shining Podcast, which is a college basketball show, and uh, doing that on my own which I'm very excited about. So uh, that, that has all kind of happened in the past week, two weeks. So it's, uh, it's been crazy. It's been fun. Um, I get to stay in Los Angeles. I get to work with people that I worked with before. So it's all good. And uh, I love college basketball. And I thought there might be a world in which I didn't get to talk about college basketball this March, which would have been very sad. Uh, but luckily, it all kind of worked out. And, and now I got a nice little home and uh, I'm going to be at the game on Saturday and uh, I'm going to do a podcast right after the game. And uh, that is the beauty of podcasting. And uh, I'm excited and I appreciate uh, all the Carolina people that have reached out so far. And today I was in Chapel Hill, got to got to go. Oh, Brian Ives. Look at that. Look at that. Oh, my God. I love Brian Ives. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I am uh, very excited about the opportunity and uh, what's ahead. So it, it's good to be back in the ring world. Good question. And I listened to the first podcast. It was really great. So the, the kind of reminiscing with Bill Simmons was awesome. So if y'all haven't checked that out yet, you gotta you gotta go out there and get it. I gotta get I my uh, that plug. I gotta get my radio voice here to compete with Tate's yeah. Tate's voice <laughs> right. there. But we're all smart here. First time, yeah. long time. Tate, what's the challenge now? To um, you've been on a show with Titus for for so long, and now doing kind of the solo thing. I'm sure you're gonna have guests and stuff. I've always thought you know a show by yourself is so challenging. You know for radio whatever have you thought about that what, what's going through your mind now kind of doing a one-man show versus bouncing off and playing off somebody right it's a lot more fun when it's you and your friend and you guys can uh just kind of like turn key plug and play mm -hmm. right titus and i you know off the air we talk about college basketball the same way we talk about it on the air uh i have listened and i've been around a lot of colin coward in my life so i have seen one man talk to himself and uh <laughs> i did not want to be that guy um i i am not that guy Luckily, I have a great producer, uh, Kyle, who is, uh, you know, does Bill's podcast and does Ryan Rosillo's podcast. And uh, we have a great rapport. I used to be Bill's producer. I taught Kyle how to be the producer. So it was a nice little, you know, back and forth with the two of us. And, uh, you know, Kyle Mann is going to be my co-host on Tuesdays. Um, so the two of us and Kyle Mann uh, went to Kentucky. He's a Kentucky guy. So we're, we're blue bloods. We, we can talk about it. Uh, and we've been friends for for a couple of years now. So it's, it's nice to have that consistency on that show. And then the Thursday show, we're going to try to get some guests, you know, names like a Jim Nance potentially, or like a Ty Jerome, a Johnny Juzang, right. Guys that I have dealt with over the years that have been great. Um, so it's going to be fun. I, I will see what happens. I'm going to miss the rapport that I had with Titus. It was something special. It's something that I'll never be able to, to, to <laughs> recreate, so to speak. But um you know, I'm excited about the future, and uh, Bill has been uh, gracious enough to say that he will watch college basketball for my behalf. So if Bill Simmons is going to watch college basketball, why not the rest of the world? And we can all talk about it together. So that's the hope. Get in here, Adam. That's Jay Silky. Um, <laughs> I had a question. I had a question for Andy is, uh, you know, someone who takes a lot of notes. I don't know if this is the nerd section of the questioning here, <laughs> yeah, uh, Andy, after Ross and Tate do their cool stuff, great hair, that, that pairing there. Um, so we'll, let's, you know, let's dork it up over here. Uh, I mean, it's, I mean, honestly, as someone who takes a lot of notes, I, I guess it's the only way I know how to do it. What in the world is the note taking mentally or physically 
when you're trying to write a book or do you just like you're saying, like, are you just at the grocery store and something hits you and you're like, you know, jotting it down in your phone? Like what? How do you go about it? It just seems like it's an enormous task or, you know, like it seems overwhelming to me. It, it, it's yeah. I mean, it's a great question, Adam. I mean, we uh, the magic of Google Docs, first of all. So Reed and I, anytime we would exchange a note or something like, we text each other. Oh my God, did you see what Paolo Banchero said or whatever? We would put it out in Google Docs, just like, hey, here's a list of things. And it, it we started writing this in July, um, so and really didn't finish it up until December. So it it takes a while and and break it up into chunks. So each chapter is kind of its own thing. And it might take a couple days to write a chapter or not. It might take a little bit of, of, of research, but, and we probably had, you know, things we listed out that we thought, okay, let's write a chapter or an essay about this. You know, there's probably 20% of that. And we just end up saying, ah, it's not really that funny or it's not really that useful. Um, and we, and we, and we dump it, but it's kind of a collection over the years. And then once you kind of start getting into the writing, we, you know, dive in, do a little research, and our process is really like, I'm the idiot who has all the vitriol, and it just kind of spews out, and Reed comes in and cleans it up. So uh, uh, that's, that's kind of the, the process that we found works pretty well. You just get mad and barf it all out. I got you. I, I, I got to, I think, I think the listeners will enjoy this. If Ab, Adam can grace us with his Grayson Allen uh, Elon story, oh briefly, I mean, you want to hear a good uh, Grayson story. A Adam covered Elon, and that's when he. Take some notes, just a second. I gotta. Yeah, we don't have enough. Time. I mean, I'll and go. The, and, and this is when Coach K orchestrated like the media thing, right? All right, two minutes, Adam. Let's Adam, go. I mean, Ross, when your memory hits, <laughs> I get so proud of you. Like <laughs> it's, it is amazing. Well, I don't know. You know what I was thinking about today, Ross? Do you remember the game in Brooklyn when Grayson Allen hip checked uh, yeah. Garrison Brooks? Yes. Uh, Ross and I figured up, we were talking about it that night, that I had covered in my previous job three of the four Grayson Allen trip games. Um, <laughs> wow. so, but, yeah, the night there was a night in December right before Christmas uh, when Duke played Elon at Green, the Greensboro Coliseum. Carolina was playing somebody that night in Chapel Hill. And um, it was like a six o'clock game. So it was like, you're kind of like on a newspaper deadline. You're like, this is going to be a nice little, uh, you know, skip to the finish line here. And it just went, I mean, it, you know, the guy went ape shit, you know, like, I mean, you guys have seen it. Even Santa Anna was the Elon player who, right. to be honest with you, kind of like Grayson Allen on a CAA level. Yeah. Um, <laughs> might, might have been while they put heads. But yeah, Grayson tripped him. Then Kay benched him. He went absolutely game day, Charlie. Charlie Mickens got the video. He went berserk <laughs> on the bench. You may have pitched a tantrum. And then, you know, for us who who sees all the stuff, how the sausage is made behind the scenes, it just got completely like anything, nothing I've ever experienced before. The locker rooms were closed for like 45 minutes. And wow. this was at the Greensboro Coliseum. So you're like waiting in this hallway and you could see the locker rooms. And Coach K is coming out of the Duke locker room. And then Grayson is coming out of the Duke locker room. And then they get Santa Ana. He had like a meeting with Elon's coach, Matt Matheny, Stephen Santa Ana. Grace, Grayson's crying. He's just like, uh, what's the word? I mean, he's like, he's lost his mind. We went into the locker room and talked to the Duke players, obviously, did the post-game interview. You couldn't even understand Grayson. I got down on my knee because he was sitting down. <laughs> I mean, it's going insane. Uh, all right, I got to stop. I'm getting the two-minute thing. <laughs> wow. wow, keep going. He couldn't uh, even talk. Sorry. 
He couldn't even talk. And I he couldn't even talk because he got big. Matt Jones, the Duke guard, yeah. that yeah. night. And he was saying that Duke had some like nine or 10 days off after that. And he's like, Yeah, I think we need a break. <laughs> like, wow. You know, yeah, I think so. But well, I'll yeah, tell you, Kate no, got we, there and told everyone that the ACC didn't need to suspend Grayson because he will handle the discipline. You know, like it was un, it was an unbelievable kissing of the ring that entire oh, night. Yeah. Grayson Allen having a psychopathic episode. Didn't Kay orchestrate the apology between everybody and everything? Right? So he, you're exact. He orchestrated everything. Yes, they had a handshake where we could <laughs> see it. I mean, it was it was. I mean, this it was crazy. Like. Crazy. Uh, they they had you know it's like what would it be like uh the like two kids in the neighborhood getting a fight and like all right all right eddie go over there and shake his hand and tell mrs <laughs> you, know, that, you know you're sorry for you know like it was just unbelievable Kay told everyone and we luckily we you know we knew some of the sids i knew the elon sid who was witnessing all this he told us everything like He's like, okay, this is how it's going to go. <laughs> and then Kay wow. got up there and said that, you know, like, you know, Steve's, I never will forget, you know, Steve said I play hard too. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Oh, God, just give me a break. But anyway, I'm, I'm going to have to update the book now. Why, why, no, why did I not no, this? Right as it is. Oh, well, I'll tell you this. We did write three whole chapters of this now because how can you not, right? And, but I, I won't spoil this in the book but i will tell you this as i started digging into his background i i found myself conflicted like joel barry and he were like best friends in in high school and and, yep. you know, and i was like this does not something is not adding up and so yeah it, it was it was interesting digging into his background and kind of his story not that i forgive him and he's still number two on the all-time hated dookies list but i was conflicted Interesting stuff. They're all it's all uh they're all wrapped up together. Tate, let's talk about this year's Carolina Duke game on Saturday night, six o'clock. Uh, you know, the final four game, nobody's ever gonna top that. But I think this game is very, very big for North Carolina basketball because I think it at least gets them in the door for the NCAA tournament. How's it shake out and what you think about the 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 gravity, to use a Ross Martin word, of this game for Carolina? Yeah, I think it's a big game for North Carolina. Obviously, that's implicit. We all know that. Um, I think in general, you know, this is the most must-win game that they've had as a group this season. They have to win this game to to keep people back in the conversation, to get people to believe that this team can turn the switch. Uh, one of my favorite Roy Williams quotes is that, you know, the only player that could ever turn the switch on was Michael Jordan, and he never turned it off, you know. This team seems to think they can turn the switch on and off as if they are Michael Jordan, and it turns out they are not. Um, and that is, you know, I, I don't know if that's because they wear North Carolina blue. They think that's the case, but it's not. So you have to win this game. I mean, it, there's no questions about it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I saw Ross tweeted earlier that Leaky said they need a nasty win. I'd love any kind of win. I don't care if it's pretty. I don't care if it's kind. But I would like a win. And uh, that's the way that they need to go into this game. And I know Hubert has been, um, you know, Hubert is not a – the biggest fan of the media, so to speak. So he likes to, you know, when the media says this, he says, well, that's not necessarily the case. This isn't a must win. This isn't that, you know, this is all made up by you guys. Well, this is reality of the situation. There aren't many games left. <laughs> you know, you have to win this game to let people know if this team is legit, if they have a chance to actually make a run. I think they do. I personally believe one team will be from the ACC will be in the final four. I don't know what that team will be. I don't know if it's going to be Miami. I don't know if it's going to be Carolina. I don't know if it's going to be Duke. I don't know if it's going to be NC state. I, I'm not sure what ACC team is going to be in Houston, but I personally believe one of them will be there. I would talk myself 
into Miami currently, but I know North Carolina has the potential to beat anybody. I have seen them play at that level. Um, and this weekend, if you really want to be that team that was preseason number one and has a chance to make a run in March, this is the first step uh, to let people know that you can be that team. So this weekend is important. And Duke is playing great. And that's the good news because it's going to make this win mean even more if you do get it because Virginia was great and all. But Virginia, we just saw them get blown out by Boston College. So, you know, there, there's always the caveats. And as we all know about how the quad system works and the networks, Virginia's at 30 right now. So as soon as they drop to 31, that quad one win goes away and nobody cares about it. So you're North Carolina. You have to lock in. This is everything. This should be all they're talking about. They should be fired up. And uh, I just hope they come to play. And I hope Baycott has more than one point. And, and I think if he does, they have a chance. Yeah, really. He, Baycott needs to show up on perhaps his last day, last game in the Smith right. Center. Perhaps. Andy, couple questions for you. One, we discussed this with uh, uh, Will Blythe and Melvin Scott earlier in the week, Greg Barnes and I. Has this rivalry, is it the same now with Kay well, gone? Yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely a new chapter, maybe even a new book, Tommy, but I, I think, you know, I, and I listened to that interview with Will, it was great. So, I, you know, I agree with him in some sense that there's always going to be something that happens, right? I mean, and certainly the rivalry heated up during Kay's time, but there are incidents before, you know, with, before Kay arrived. So, I mean, you think about Larry Brown, our Heyman fight, you know, we, in our first book, we talked about this incident in like the 1940s where Duke was practicing a play to throw a ball at the opposing player's head. So, I don't know what it is that's going to be there. Um, but but I feel absolutely certain that uh, it, it will be. And if you think about it, guys, that like it's not like they varied far from where they've been. Shire played for K, coached for K, really was nowhere else. K hasn't even left the building. He kept his office. So I mean, he's like the college kid who comes back for high school parties. I, I just think it, it, Duke is Duke, and they're going to be Duke. And I don't see it changing much, you know, in the near future. I, and and Honestly, hope it doesn't. Like I, I enjoy this, even the lows of, of, of you know the rivalry. You have to experience those to to get to the highs like last year. All right, tell us how to get the book. Tell tell everybody that doesn't already have it how to get it. Well, you can get where books sold. Um, so in fact, uh, Tate and I will be at the student union on Saturday at three o'clock. I'm doing a book signing along with Reader and the guy who did some amazing illustrations in the book. Is his name is Joel Tesh. Um, so you can get it at student stores, but anywhere that you like to buy books, you should be able to find it. And if you don't see it in your favorite bookstore, just tell them to order it. So, yeah, go out and grab it. Uh, it's, it's a fun little read, and, and Forward is awesome. tells a great story of this kind of coming to know uh, UNC and, and his hatred of Duke and a lot of fun little stories in there. So, um, yeah, we'd love, love for people to pick it up. Yep, Duke sucks. Duke still sucks. Andy Bagwell, Tate Frazier, One Shining Podcast on The Ringer. Man, glad you're back. Yeah, we, no. We started, we started to worry that, you know, I don't listen to many other podcasts, <laughs> but you and Titus were one of them, and I was like, this, this dude can't be gone, so glad it's worked out. Yeah, it worked out well, and uh, I'm excited about the book, and like Andy said, I'm excited to back, to be back on campus tomorrow and see students and, you know, and have the book out there, so it'll be great. And, uh, you know, Duke always sucks. That's, that's what we got to remember. Duke always sucks, so that's it. Hey, man, it's been great to have you guys. We're going to get back at it and talk about Carolina football after we oh, drop y'all. Hey, stick around and listen. Nice.
And, I'm gonna uh, keep watching. My my parents are upstairs watching, so we're all locked in. Oh Lord! And now, <laughs> nothing, now nothing, nothing like some spring football, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Kind of nervous. Appreciate it, guys. Yep. Thank yeah, y'all. Thank you guys. Thanks. 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 Awesome. Appreciate y'all. Get back in here, John Bowman. Let's talk Carolina football. Sponsored by Johnny T-shirt. Still in JohnnyT-shirt.com. That's Tate Frazier, Andy Bagwell. This big-time guest on here, Ross. Uh, and, well, I'll go to you first, Adam, since you're the rock star of the day. Um, <laughs> Is this even about? <laughs> what What did we think about Freddie Kitchens? What What were our first impressions of Freddie Kitchens? Well, I mean, I don't know if we're going to get a Ross doesn't like Chip Lindsay take. Uh, uh, <laughs> or what was it? He He was boring or something, Ross said. Or, no, he was uh, un – I don't know. Uninspired. He I can't remember uninspiring uh i like freddie kitchens i mean it, look at this offensive staff i don't know if the word is assembled look at this offensive staff they've put together with phil longo and jack bicknell bolting i mean you got the chip Lindsay's, who's from the gus malzahn school and then you got freddie kitchens who's been in the nfl forever and clyde christensen's coming back and the guys has won won a super bowl with peyton manning and tom brady so I don't know. I feel like Drake May's got some nice resources, you know, at his disposal with some of these guys. I mean, I, you know, I, I, it's kind of personally, I think it's kind of weird seeing Freddie Kitchens a couple of years ago talking about Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns, and then he's standing there in front of you in Carolina Blue. I don't know if that's what Ross took took out of it or not. I was yeah. fascinated as a head. It was an NFL head coach right there that just got hired to coach tight ends at Carolina. Yeah. yeah he's three years removed from coaching the Browns and now he's coaching tight ends. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, he seems like a great guy. Seems nice. I mean, can he coach tight ends? Probably he's done it before. I don't know how really hard that is. You know, I think Mac really wants a, um, you know, he really wants a, a offensive staff that works together well. And there's some cohesion there. I think that's why you kind of brought Chip, Chip Lindsay in who's at, who wants to work with Randy uh, Clements, Clements and, um, Freddie Kitchens doesn't seem like he has anything to prove. You know, you know, he's probably not coming in there with some big ego. Um, and then Lonnie Galloway and, and Larry Porter round out the group as well. Um, I, I don't know how much how much better the tight ends are going to be or how much worse they're be. I mean, look, he's given he's got three veteran veteran tight ends now: Bryson Nesbitt, Kamari Morales, and John Copenhaven. So you would think that group would be would be great next year. Um, and he, and, you know, it's a Adam, I was talking about, I thought he was going to go this way. You got um, Freddie Kitchens from Alabama. You got Chip Lindsey from Alabama. You got Randy Clements from somewhere in Texas. And you got some good old boys. Lonnie Galloway is a pretty country guy. I know he's from North Carolina. You got uh, some good old boys on that staff uh, offensively. Um, so I'm sure they have some fun times away from the away from us and away from the, the students. But um, we should yeah, ask him I mean, who could hang a bit, who could hang a bigger dip between those guys you listed right. off. Because and you know what, we probably won't see Freddie Kitchens again. We probably won't talk to Freddie Kitchens again. I mean, <laughs> once you get a, you get an assistant once, and you don't really talk to him again unless you request. And we may get them before, um, you yeah, know, maybe before, in the summer. Yeah, preseason yeah. camp starts. But I'll tell you from my perspective, this is the no messing around coaching staff, and I think it's also the. No more emphasis on recruiting coaching staff. I don't think Freddie Kitchens is going to be pulling a ton of all-nighters, driving back and forth. He's here to coach. He's here to coach the people who are in the building. And I love all the NFL experience, all of the veteran 
leadership use. Christensen is the, the name of the offensive analyst. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a humongous value add to get him uh, in the building. I, I really like the coaching staff that's being assembled here. I, I guess this might be controversial to say, but there's, there's a thought that, you know, Christensen might have made a, a better offensive coordinator. I almost think Kitchens would be an interesting offensive coordinator hire over Lindsay. Instead, now you have a really great room around it. So you can kind of think of uh, Lindsay less as the offensive coordinator, and it's a sort of whole offensive staff approach. And I love the staff that UNC is building for this season. It's I mean, he's telling stories about Bill Parcells. What did you think, Tommy, when he's telling his story about Bill oh, Parcells awesome. out at Cowboys training camp? Yeah, I thought it was awesome that, like I said just a second ago before I kicked it to you guys, that, that's an NFL head coach standing there, and he's coaching tight ends at Carolina. It's like the, the mind went. But the, the thing about the Parcells thing is when they said, that boy's going to get you fired. <laughs> and, and I thought that was a great line is – yeah. You better figure out how to coach them um, and get them better. You know, Clyde Christensen, that is tremendous. That, that's a tremendous ad for Drake May. I mean, it's pretty – It's pretty. Tell us why, Tommy. I, I've never heard of the guy's name, so tell us why. I, I, sorry to interrupt. Oh, yeah, he's been around and he, he's coached Brady. He, he's coached Pey, uh, Peyton Manning. I mean, he's been around the league forever. He is widely respected as an offensive mind, as a quarterback's coach, as a quarterback whisperer. And, and, you know, he's a Carolina guy. And, and what it shows me is that Mac, and this is going to be a but question, Mac is all in on the offense in Drake's last season. All in, 100%. The but comes on the defensive side. And Adam and Ross, and I'll start with you, Ross, he did mention about find, they're looking for an NFL guy to bring in on the defensive side. I mean, I think that'll be the tale about how all in they are on defense. What do you think, Ross? Yeah, I, I think I, I think we've confirmed this. I saw some of the boards have been posted that they're going to bring in a, a pass rushing pass rushing specialist of some sort from the NFL. They got a grad assistant as well coming over from um, Ohio State. I think he played at Maryland, so they're getting some help um, for the pass rushing. I also think that Gene Chizik. Will be more involved with the front seven. I think Max said that. Um, and so, you know, you got Jason Jones, the corners, you got Charlton Warren with the safeties and the defensive backs, Tommy Thigpen with the linebackers, and then Gene Chizik being more involved with the front seven and the front four. Um, and I, I mean, I think I know a lot of fans, subscribers are wondering why they didn't, um, why he didn't fire Trey Scott. Not Trey Scott, <laughs> uh, Tim Cross. Trey Scott was the Georgia guy that used to be at UNC. Um, you know, I, I think a truth to it, and I think this is a lot what's going on, on the board is that a lot of the players that he recruited feel very strong about him, would not be happy if he left. Travis Shaw, Javari Ritzy, uh, Miles Murphy, some of the big name talents, you know, they want, they like Tim Cross and want him to be there. So this will be a big season for Tim Cross. Um, you know, he's got a lot to prove. I think there'll be a focus on him. I think Mac Brown, obviously, I mean, he, he's not an idiot. I mean, he knows the defense line wasn't good. So I think Mac Brown would be very focused to see improvement in that area as well. You get one more chance to kind of get this group going, and this will be the year to do it. Miles Murphy, you get Tamari Fox back, hopefully. Uh, Travis Shaw in his second year, who's losing some weight. Um, Cameron Rucker. Cameron yeah, Rucker, Des Cameron Evans. Rucker, Des Evans, yeah. So you, all the pieces are there, so we'll see. And you brought in Amari Ferrari and all the, the transfers that Amari are – Amari um, Ferrari. 
I came what? really close to calling him. Uh, how you doing, Amari Ferrari? But yeah, I know it's a nickname, uh, Gainer. But you know, it, it's just that folks fret about Cross mm-hmm. and stop fretting about Cross because he's not leaving, and they're going to get some help in there. I want to see who they get in because, to Ross's point, Mac understands that. I mean, it's it, it's not like they're going out there saying them boys good and them boys play good. I mean, they'll get it figured out. They have to. Um, <laughs> One thing I didn't ask, Adam, and, and remind me on Tuesday or whenever I'm up there again to ask, or you ask it or y'all ask it, is how they going to teach physicality, you <laughs> know, because he talked about that a lot. And Mac is, is harped on that, especially running the ball. What are they going to do in practice that does that? Because there's only so many things you can do, and have they been doing it in the past? I'll be interested to see how to handle that aspect of it. Well, you know, the whole talking point this past season with, with Chiswick coming in was that they were tackling more in practice. That it, it, the, the, what, the thing that went unsaid was it basically said, like, well, Jay, well, Jay Bateman, they didn't tackle with Jay Bateman. He was too soft. Uh, but, you know, that was the, what, the, what, reading between the lines, that's what they meant by that they were tackling more with Charlton. They were tackling more with Gene. Uh, that's what, that's what you heard going into this season. And then you saw some of the issues with the defense. I was thinking about, you're talking about Clyde Christensen. Uh, I was trying to study up on him, and I ran across the thing. It was pretty interesting. I think it was the Tampa Bay Times that uh, he seems like a pretty cool dude. He was telling a story that this is a writer at the Tampa Bay Times that um, I guess they had asked him about how he able to develop some of these relationships, and he said that Peyton Manning had texted him the play sheet that he had drawn up for the NFL Pro Bowl and uh, was like, can you do some tweaks? Do you think this is too much? We only have one day to practice. So just think about that. It's like 66-year-old guy, however old he is. He's getting Pro Bowl plays from Peyton Manning on his dang phone and, you know, sending them back like, I don't know if this will get Stefan Diggs freed up or not. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems, I don't know, it seems super cool. And There's some great great reading out there to read about criticism, but you think about it, and I mentioned Brady, Peyton Manning, uh, Andrew Luck. Didn't he Um, live with Lawrence Taylor? In Chapel Hill, that, that is back in the day. Yeah, Whoa. if he survived that, he's pretty damn I, tough. Yeah, don't Probably quote me on that, stuff. but I think he did. Have y'all read that book? Have you read Lawrence Taylor's book, Living on the Edge or Life on the Edge? No, need to. I have not. I, I'll say one thing about the offense, Tommy. Um, I think his wide receivers, and I know you wrote those two stories on them after we talked to them, are going to be great. Um, I think the receiver group will be will be really nice with Dontrez, not Dontrez Walker. <laughs> Tez Walker. What's there his full go. name? Devontez Walker. Devontez. Okay, we got Dontrez, Devontez. <laughs> um, and then uh, McCollum out of Georgia Tech. I think those guys will be good additions. And, you know, they're going to miss downs. I think when you lose an All-American like that, it's tough. But I think they have a group mentality there. I think Andre Green's going to be special as well. So, figure out left tackle. Um, and then other than that, I, mean, I think, you know, quarterback should be good. And then you got most of your offensive lineback. And some great tight ends and a lot of wide receivers and some great running backs. So the I think about, offense will be great. How about DJ Jones moving to safety? Yeah. Hey, if he wants to stay in Chapel Hill, that's probably the best and play. That's probably the best thing. But he's important. I mean, those dudes are important on special teams. I found it interesting that Mac mentioned Walker and McCollum by name. And then Omarion Hampton and George Petaway by name, specifically in separate sections of that press conference. Um, you know, I they figure out the defense. Morion Hampton try to be the guy. I mean, it's just as 
this is just me, but like I, I, I think they're gonna try. You know, there's a million different guys. I mean, you got British Brooks for God's sakes, and then Elijah Green, who sort of carried the torch at the end of the last season, had some home run hitting plays. Um, but I don't yeah, know. They wanted Hanson be the guy last year. I mean, he started the season yeah. last year. You're yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, he, he was. Yeah. Yep. And so we'll see. I'm all for that. You know, I like to see local kids do well, but it'll be interesting to see how spring practice goes. Ross and Adam will be all over it. Um, I'll do my part inside Carolina. Whoever's out there will be covering it like crazy. Um, the transfer portal opens on May 1st and goes to May 15th. That'll be an interesting time at Carolina too, as well. Um, as some of these depth chart things shake out in the spring, anything left boys. Well, you know, next week's ACC tournament. So, um, and we get we get football availability on Tuesday. We get open practice. Spring practice starts Sunday. Open practice for media on Tuesday, and then UNC will be playing the ACC tournament Wednesday, um, and potentially Thursday. So, yeah, they play Wednesday no matter what, right? They 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 cannot right. avoid Wednesday. No. Is that right? Correct. They're going to be either the sixth, seventh, or eighth seed in the tournament, depending on if they win or lose and a bunch of other scenarios. Check out Patrick Stevens on Twitter. He's got it all broken down. You know, the college basketball guru, Patrick Stevens. But, yeah. yes, either six, seven, or eight for the Tar Heels in terms of the seed. So, yeah, definitely Wednesday. Yeah. Patrick Stevens' recent next-level uh, guest. With oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that, that dude is way too smart for me. But Pitt can be either one or fifth. <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy this time of year where this we're at the end of the regular season and still so many different scenarios. But the scenario here, what's the scenario here? We're out. It's been on the beat live on Inside Carolina's YouTube channel. It'll be on Inside Carolina's podcast feed. Special thanks to Tate Frazier, Andy Bagwell of Duke Sucks and Duke Still Sucks fame. John Bowman for producing this madhouse, Adam Smith and Ross Martin for being the beat and on the beat. And I'm Tommy Ashley, Johnny T-shirt. We'll see everybody inside Carolina Live Saturday morning, 10 o'clock on CHL. Join us. Some special guests there as well. Peace, fellas. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.